This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is Ben Wilmer and you are listening to Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hello and welcome to this, your very, very latest episode of Every Step Along The Way. We're going to end this pod with the Six Towns Challenge. And, uh, Mike, we're going to start it with six wonderful goals against Rotherham. Yeah, it wasn't bad, was it? No, I mean, you, you had six courses to give you a goal for everyone, <laughs> didn't you? In your little <laughs> box. i tell you what, it is one of the best fan experiences I think I've ever had. Like, they really go to town, like... I don't know. It makes me not want to go in the stands anymore. If I'm honest, I'll stick to the boxes. It's uh, it's it's comfortable. Food and drink is next level. Like I expected, Dan. They mentioned they were going to bring like pie and stuff like that, and I was thinking, you know, Wright's pie. I mean, I should think better than that, really, if you're paying the amount that it costs. But like, I was thinking Wright's pie, and it wasn't. It was a family size pie, and it was just stupid. I couldn't possibly explain the size, but. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic service, mate. If anyone's ever got the money to do it, 100%, get yourself in a box just for one game and you'll never look back. So it was a, it was a brilliant one. And yeah, obviously the football always, always helps. So, uh, yes, that's all it took, is it? You, you were swayed by one one bit of pie and you, <laughs> you've uh, you've shown your true colours as a football fan. You, you're, a, you're a toffee prawn sandwich brigade member now. <laughs> i tell you what, I can you understand how people you... get swayed. You cannot rough it on the terraces anymore. It's not for you. Oh, no, I don't do that. Singing and dancing. Now who's the fool? Oh, we did. It, we, we, were, we were right next to Nathan Heaney. So, we, you know, it was just... Uh, we were celebrating with Nathan anyway. Uh, but no, no, yeah. It's, it, it, was, it was a great did game. Did you speak to him? Um, no, just because he was speaking with all his mates, if I'm honest with you, you know, said hi and stuff like that. But um, no, I didn't go into any massive detail. We were too busy watching the football and all the goals. I mean, we, we'd barely taken our seats, but and, and there was a bloody goal already. So, yeah. Didn't, didn't drop him your number and say, you know, give me a ring, you've got a pod. No, just useless. No, I'll, I'll, I'll ask him next That's time. That's what the listeners want. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe next time, yeah. Right, well... 
you are not the only people listening I enjoy with tonight. We also have a third voice, and that voice being the return of Brendan Dudley. How are you, Bren? You all right, mate? Hi there. Um, yeah, I'm just going to say last evening, um, I had the same kind of feeling that you did. I uh, also got to taste the executive box. It's not bad, is it? <laughs> do, you, do you understand what I mean, though? When like, why, like, why would you want to go back to the horrible food on the concourse when you when you get that? <laughs> well, to be fair, the game was awful. We lost, but I had a steak pie. It was absolutely fantastic. And the week after, it rained and we won. So I was like, hmm, one of those situations. I, I missed the crowd, but I I enjoyed the experience. But just you wait, man, until the winter when it's minus five. We're playing Christ knows who at home night freezing cold like you'd be wishing you were in them boxes but uh yeah in all, in all seriousness it doesn't replace being on the concourse but it's a nice experience to have yeah you've got you've got to back down and say that now you you little you of little course <laughs> um anyway into the game anyone surprised by the lineup anyone anyone thought anyone missed out who you'd expect to be there or or anyone played who you thought oh i'm surprised he's, he's Kept him in there. Uh, personally, um, you might tell me off here, but I just, I think the goalkeeper, I just don't feel safe with the goalkeeper we had in the, in the cup game. Um, I know he was in there last season. I just don't feel com- confident. And any time we get a corner, I just don't feel safe when he's there. I think he's great at stop saving, but I just don't think he, com- he commands the defence. That's the only downside we were all saying in the stands with Bowen he shouldn't have been in goal I just don't I don't trust him I don't think even Bonham could have messed that up last night though I mean Rotherham were pretty horrendous I mean I'm not saying bad horrendous as as an attacking force I mean if they don't go down at the absolute foot of this table something's seriously wrong with the quality in this league like I feel for their fans, but great. I tell you what, all credit for the fans who did go last night um, because they must have gone there knowing what was going to happen. Maybe not six, but you know, you've got to give them fans credit. But I, I agree with you in terms of like Bonham. I didn't expect to see Bonham in, Dan. Um, I thought he might stay with Travers again, a bit of continuity. The defence, bar the odd one, was probably going to be a, a constant defence for the, for the season, you know, with Rose and Wilmot and stuff. So I thought he might have stuck, but. I don't know. Maybe it was just the case that, that Bonham's not really going to get a chance to play otherwise. So um, why not do what we used to do and have a cup for the uh, a keeper for the cup and a, and a keeper for the league. So I think that was the thinking there. Um, other other than that, um, no, I think the team was exactly kind of what we were expecting within reason. Actually, to be fair, yeah. I was quite I was quite impressed with the youngsters that he's got and um, the new players. I'm glad he played the new players and uh, Berger. I never got a chance to see Berger at Millwall, um, but I was really, really, really impressed. Him and Pearson were working fantastic. When they were getting past Berger, Pearson was picking up and vice versa. I think them two should start every game together. It was like Berger had been here for a long time. Once he, he, If anything, I mean, you can't criticise him. Um he he was really enjoying his football the other night. Like yes, he was doing all the simple things, nice, but little flicks, little like tricks. I think there was, was a, a no look pass at times and stuff like that. I mean, the guy, considering he's probably had a couple of training sessions, uh, it looked so so comfortable. Um, so yeah, he's you can see the quality already. Never mind what he's going to be like when he's actually settled in. 
he looks different gravy, doesn't he? Just it's like every time we wanted every time we wanted the ball, or every time we had the ball, sorry, and someone was looking for a pass, he was the one saying, Give me the ball. And he'd give himself a couple of yards of space and he's ready to like take it in once he and move off. And just just how he how he say how he caresses the ball and how he passes it around. There's quite a few of the, these sort of you know the new lads that have come in who you can just see that that sort of obviously that sort of flair into the continental way of doing things and the attackers. And it just yeah, the, the ability in that in some of these players now is is just completely different to what we've been used to watching for the last few years. What I really appreciate the most is we weren't passing the ball across the midfield and going back to the keeper. When we got Berger getting the ball, he was he was pushing the ball forward. He was laying the ball through, and some of the crossing from the uh, cross field passing was it was world class. It was just going straight to the player. When was the last time we saw that in Stoke last season? It was back to the keeper, back to the keeper, and that's what was putting us under pressure at, at home. And this time, what what I saw, if we play like that in the league, there's going to be a lot of teams panicking because we were literally going for it. And it's about time, and I said it to you last season when we had the commentary before, how many times have we had a chance of a shot of a ball and we, we'd pass it sideways? Berger, first ball comes straight to Berger, not even thinking about it, hits it off the half volley. That's what Stoke have needed for so long, someone just to go, you know what, I'm going to hit it. And if he does that every week, it's either going to get parried or there's going to be a goal. It's, it's just a different mentality, and that's what Stoke need. Yeah, yeah, it it really was, and and what what did you think too? Um, obviously another kind of new new. I didn't really see him against Millwall very much, but uh, Larice, I actually put a comment in our group chat, uh, really, Brown, when 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 I was watching the game, and just saying that I thought actually he was a bit anonymous at times, and not because he was doing anything wrong. I just I just don't think we were really utilising him very much, or at least I didn't notice him at the very least. So I, I thought he was a bit invisible. Obviously, as soon as I said that message, literally within two minutes, the guy scores. So just a bit of a, a, bit of a kick in the nuts. But um, e- either way, yeah, what, what what did you think about him? I thought he put a few, dan- you know, still put a few dangerous crosses in and uh, seemed to work really well down the right-hand side. Yeah, I was I actually was... Funny you should say this. I was actually talking to a, another one of the members of my group um, when we were watching him, I guess I didn't realise who it was. And then I says, he's moving around a bit here, but he was taking the defender with him, even though he wasn't actually doing anything. He was movement, his movement. And I said, they were picking him up. And then the second off, I said, oh, I haven't seen much of him. And then when he, when he got that ball, I just hit it straight away. And then, I don't know why, but did you notice when he, when he scored, it was like there was passion there. He was like jaunting the crowd and getting the crowd going and I think you know give him time to settle I think he's going to need a bit of time but I could see movement I could see the difference and the good thing about last night I noticed as well is the players were actually not stagnant they were running for the ball and they were chasing everything down which last season how many times you know we we nil-nil and then all of a sudden they'd score a goal and it was game over yesterday from the word get-go, we were going for the jugular. It was like, there's a different mentality. And it's it's really, really good to see. And, you know, and like my friend, he was at Millwall the other day, and he turned around to me and said the first R was diabolical. And we we kept saying last season, I said it to you on, on this, this chat before, there was no 
um, option B, there was always option A, and that was it. Our manager came out and made, it was it three or four substitutes at half time. We don't do that. Stoke City do not do that. I, I've got a good feeling about this year, and I think we're actually seeing what Alex Neal is all about now. And I think we've got to just stick with it. We're going to get some bad results, but I think, I really think positive. And I'm getting a lot of feedback on our group now that are fans who turned around and said Alex Neal wasn't the man and now turning and now starting to say, you know what, we're wrong here, give him a chance. And these players that he's bringing in have got what we've wanted for so long, hunger. They, they literally, they, they're playing for that badge and it's about time it happened. We haven't got people just happy to get, I shouldn't say this, but happy to take the money and just go on the pitch. And if we lose, oh, well, we've got players on there. You could see they want to do something. I just got a, I've got a very, very good feeling about this season. And if there is anyone who does think they can do that, I think Alex Neal's proven with the likes of Chico, who hasn't been confirmed, but still seems like he's gone back, then I think he's one of them. If you've got a bad attitude, then you're off. Goodbye. Like He, he will not accept that. Because um, obviously it looks bad on him as well. But, you know, you're spot on. I think uh, Larice was, was decent. And you mentioned about people criticising and jumping the gun with the likes of Alex Neal. I think they did the same thing with, uh, with Ryan uh, Maye as well, mate. I mean, I saw that comment on the oat cake about oh getting gone to a a different team or lower league team, uh, to to get some, you know, some more practice or English football embedding, whatever he was trying to say. Um, that finish, the the first touch and and smash it in the bottom corner, looks like somebody who's got a bit of quality about him. Do you really want to be passing somebody like that around the leagues? I certainly don't. I'd rather him getting comfortable at, at Stoke City because he, he's shown he's got quality. I mean, Dan. What, what what did you think of, of Ryan? Yeah, I think from right from his first game, he sort of saw how he, you know, the, the obvious class was there, wasn't it? And I think I spoke before about sort of, you know, the continental style and stuff like that and, and flair, and he's got that in abundance. And I think he's also got the, the ability, the physical side of it, I think will come in time with him. Um, I think he's getting there, getting better with it. I think he's understanding that he gets knocked about a bit more than he's maybe used to. And I think he is one that we're going to have to persist with. But I think if we do, you're going to, you're persisting with a very good footballer. I think he's just trying to understand where he fits in across that front three. And I don't think any one player is going to necessarily nail down just one spot, are they? I think we're going to see a lot of fluidity. You know, we mentioned Berger in the midfield. I think we'll have the same thing with him and, you know, Loren and Christ, God knows how many other midfielders. Um, I think we're going to see exactly the same. Any any amount of players can go and play in, in multiple positions if needs be. Uh, the the, the defence is probably the one area where it'll probably be quite settled, but the rest of it is uh, well, it's fair game, isn't it? <laughs> can I just say, the way, the way things are going, though, um, I'm going to bring up Campbell. Where's Campbell going to fit in this team? Um, the way things are going. Yeah. It, where's he going to fit in? The, is he going to be starting or is he going to be on the bench? Yeah. Because you think he's going to be starting? I don't think, I don't hesitate for a second and think he'll start. Uh, I think he'll be, he will be. If I talked about not having a set position, really, Brent, but I think Tyrese will be on the right. Vidigal will probably be on the left. Um, and then you'll have. Johnson or Berger in that kind of attacking midfield uh, type spot. I don't think with with Tyrese's quality, um, he's still quality regardless of what people think of him. Like he's still able to finish. He proved that the other night. Uh, he can keep people on the back foot, defenders on the back foot. So Tyrese for me, Bren, is 
is an absolute starter. Um, if the guy, however, decides that you know he wants to see out his contract until January and sign a pre-contract with somebody, you've then got a call to make. Um, but for me, he, he's he's got to start. Yeah, but I, I I agree with you what I saw. But when he played when he when he swapped you over he, to on the sides, he was a lot better on the right. I do agree with that. Yeah. But on the left, on the left, he was he was just he was being very predictable. We could see that he he wasn't going to beat his man. He plays better on the right. So that's the only way. That's what we were all saying. The only place he should be playing is on that right hand side because he'll take his man and then come in. And he'll have a shot. When he was going on the other side, he was like he wasn't beating his man. He was either they were intercepting the ball or he was just hitting the ball. So it's got to be if he's going to play, he's got to play him on the right. I totally agree with you on that one. And Dan, I want to ask you a question as well because one guy who um, stayed on the pitch a lot longer than the others was Mr. Josh Tymon. Now we've all seen the. The kind of comments and notes, um, you know, the other day, and Swansea have had a a bid of around one and a half million rejected. Um, do you think? I mean, Josh seems to probably think he's off. I think if we get the, if they get the money right, two and a half million plus, he'll probably go. But I actually thought Josh gave everything last night, um, and maybe it is that final hoorah. But um, do you think Josh Tamman, obviously we'll, we'll probably know by the time this goes out, but do you think uh, Josh will be gone come uh, come pod release? Um, apparently, you know, it might not sound a lot in today's football, you know, they're a million pound out or one and a half million pound out, but basically Stoke are asking Leeds and Swansea to double the bid. So doing that then maybe becomes a bigger deal. Um, I don't think they'll let him. I, you know, I think we'll get into transfers later on. And, you know, for what what we've been told by some sources that we've got, because you know, if we if we get that good now, we have sources. <laughs> um, it's yeah, the, the the replacement has already been lined up. Um, from his behaviour at the end, how slow he walked around, he clapped. All, I mean, I mean, there was only what fourteen blocks that were open, and he but he stayed and he walked around very slowly, clapping, and quite a few times he'd stop and just sort of stare into the stands. I thought Alex Neil came over, gave him a big hug, and then obviously his his, uh, his best mate Tyrese came over as well, gave him a hug, and then they sort of walked off together. So from that, it definitely appeared to me like he was readying himself to leave. Um, I think he's fully prepared to leave and obviously very much open to but I do think that Stoke aren't just going to give him away they're going to want a decent price for him Can I just say that um, we were actually watching uh, Just Time and, and he wasn't just staring he was actually crying and he got escorted away he was in tears so we all think it's a goodbye Vienna. we think he's going and I, I think so yeah, we were literally can face on. He was proper crying, um, but we all we all think what's going on now is we think there's going to be a bit of a um, price battle with Leeds and Swansea. So we think, I think he's going to head to Swansea. I've got I don't know why. Uh, I think he's suiting better at Swansea, but Leeds have got the money as well, so we could have a bit of a bidding war going on for him. Oh, that's, that's actually that's that's really quite nice to hear. Actually, so I, I, you you don't really realise sometimes how much you know playing for a club. I know he's been with us for a while now. We've helped develop him. You don't actually realise what 
playing for us actually might mean to him. So that, that's quite nice to hear, actually. Um, but yeah, in terms, of, in terms of his performance, I thought he was really solid. He didn't put a foot wrong last night. Uh, I guess it always helps. This is what we're saying about you know Josh and obviously Henry before, is that going forward, they're both pretty solid. So when you, you know, you've literally got a team like Rotherham who just sit back and let, you know, basically lets you dominate play. Uh, that's why Josh did uh, really, really well. Um, I mean, was there anything else that you boys in terms of players wanted to, to shout out? I mean, Dan, anything that your observations for, from a team perspective last night? Yeah, I think to be honest, I think you just look at how the goals were scored. I don't think there's yeah. a bad one in there, is there? No. <laughs> Bit of a highlight reel. Six sort of... And I think X, if you look at the XG, I know it's not you know everyone's cup of tea. Um, Rotherham actually beat us on the XG by, is it like 0.4 of a goal? I think they, <laughs> their XG was like 1.4 and ours was like 0.97. So we scored six. But the chances that we actually scored from, you wouldn't, you would barely expect us to score one of them. Yeah, all six ended up going in. But... Um, Obviously, Berger, you know, opened the score in, what, 70 seconds into his home debut? Can't ask for a better start than that, could you? Um, I think if you watch it, you think, uh, my initial reaction was, well, the, you know, the keeper's not going to be very happy with that. It's come from, what, 25 yards? It's not in the corner. Um, but I think if you look at how he's hit, he's hit it early, and he's hit it first time on the run. And he just sort of leathered it hard and low. And I think usually in them circumstances, the keeper expects you to take a touch. And I think if you take a touch, he just, um, the keeper then sets himself, doesn't he, in that time? And I think you saw the, the beauty of, of sort of taking the ball early and then taking an early strike in that instance. Can I just say, I noticed something though about the game yesterday. Um, the way we're playing, I thought that Josh Laron, um was freed up a bit more. I thought he played outstanding yesterday. With the way the the balls were going, Josh Laron, you could he was just coming forward and the shots that Josh Laron had yesterday were outstand like I say outstanding, but I, I just feel with that formation he plays better. He was answer, he's answering his critics there for me last night. People saying he should have been dropped, blah blah blah. And he's as you, you rightly point out, the goals were taken brilliantly. Like you could you couldn't ask for any any better way of taking them. Um, but yeah, he put himself about. I think it helped that Pearson was just happy to sit there. He, he wasn't really under much um, pressure at all, to be honest. Actually, Pearson probably one of his easiest nights that he's had. But obviously, him sitting there means that Josh can just focus on you know playing in those lines with with Berger and yeah, it was it was a great kind of dynamic in the middle. And, and Josh answered his critics for me last night. Yeah, the one thing you were saying in the stand as well, what you just said there, you just hit the head on the nail um, with Pearson. Now, last season when we signed Pearson, he was all over the place trying to intercept the ball, trying to protect the back line. Well, you got Berger. Berger was doing exactly the same thing. So I just feel that Pearson was a bit more relaxed. He was there. So if they got past Berger, Pearson was there. And we watched it a couple of times. And when they got past Pearson, Berger was there. So they, them two could really, really bounce off each other. And I feel that it's also going to free the um, certain players to move forward because them two are so confident together. And I just... Last season, you were saying that Pearson's a yellow card in the waiting, but last night when you watched that game, he wasn't. He wasn't putting himself as much because he didn't need to. So 
he probably do his job a bit better than what he was at last season. And we we all praised him last year. So I just I feel so confident with them two. It's it's like they've been playing together a lot more than one game. You could see the difference, and they they were bouncing. And like like I say, Berger's just going to get better. And I just see good things with them too. Yeah, it's it's funny because at the start of last season, I remember saying exactly the same thing about Loren and Baker. And I think this formation suits the midfielders that we've got right the way through. I think it gets the best out of Pearson, gets the best out of Baker, gets the best out of Loren. And probably gets the, you know, I don't know about Berger. He seems like a man who can play in any formation to me. <laughs> but so far, he doesn't seem to be playing too badly in this one. Um, so I think when we change formation, you know, people crazily, you know, people have been saying that Josh Loren's not, you know, he needs to be you know, ditched, sold, um, cast aside, you know, just because he had one and a half bad games. Um to me, I think that's that's nuts. I think he's been more than you know. He's got plenty of credit in the bank, and I think he showed last night just how good a player he is. He need and this formation is where he's at his best, and I think you do find that he does get strangled a lot in that when we play five at the back. I think he's the role that he's asked to play and the role that he's got. I think maybe it's muddled, and he just doesn't quite have like he said there. Good words, freedom doesn't have the freedom to go and play his game. The only thing I really, really, really think we need to work on, and we were all on about it, and I normally listen to the radio as well as watching the game because I like the commentary, and they, they, they said the thing what we were all on about as well. We just need to work on them set pieces because I think, I don't think we've conceded a goal in open play. I think it's all... The goals we've conceded have all been from set pieces. There's something going on. They need to work on that area. I think that's our only downside at the moment. Yeah, yeah, we've we've been saying that for a few weeks as well. It, it, you, I think Millwall, you can kind of count as open play, but obviously it came from a throw-in, didn't it? Let's be honest. So, um, but yeah, it, it's. I don't know what it is, whether it's the fact that the new players or, or what, but th- there's definitely a lot of weakness in that. And yeah, Luke Rotherham did it from a corner yet again against us, like they did in the first in the first game. Um, we we need to be very careful because better teams than Rotherham will will turn up, and in that scenario, then uh, they will um, they will simply. Don't score two or three goals. Let's face it, how many corners do you have a game? You have several corners a game. If you concede one every other corner, you're going to lose a game completely on set pieces. And there's plenty of big teams in this in this division. So we need to get that sorted ASAP. And no doubt Stoke have already spotted that weakness. If they haven't, they need the heads testing. So they need to figure out what they're going to do and do it fast or else we'll end up losing tight games, which this league is full of them. We'll end up losing tight games by 1-0, 2-1, and they'll come from set pieces and we'll be throwing points away. Any team who wants to go towards the top echelons of this league cannot be conceding goals from set pieces and also need to score from set pieces. I don't think we're yet to do that this season. So we need to try and figure out our own place. But I think that is probably largely down to the new players and not quite getting those ideas across yet. So that will probably come in time. But from the defending set pieces perspective, sooner rather than later. 
Yeah, I think um, it has become a little bit of a, a too regular occurrence, hasn't it? Conceding from corners, I think. I think they, they maybe look better when Travers has been in, but in last season and then obviously into this, um, yeah, we, we do seem to be conceding too much. It, it, and it should really, like that's in essence, as a defensive side, you've got a break in play to sort yourself out and 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 to organise yourselves. It's not as if you know in the, in the open play where you've had people pulled out of position and and everything. You know, you you, you really can't get back or can't get across to things. It, it, corners and free kicks to to a well sort of um, a well structured defensive side of the team's game. They should be they should be able to cope with them, shouldn't they? Really? Yeah, they should be. Do you think that though is is simply just a okay? It's a training thing. Like we're probably more focused on bedding the team in and and getting the the, the shape on on the you know normal open play. Maybe they aren't just concentrating on. I'm not saying they're not doing it at all because obviously they will be. But do you think that it's just not quite clicking yet? We haven't got the same team. They haven't drilled that into them. Do you think that's all as it is? Because personally, hand on heart, I, I do think that's all as it is. It's, it's players embedding, but we do need to sort it out. Did you did you notice that uh, we nearly conceded another goal off a corner? Um, yeah. He just he miskicked it, and it was like, uh oh, it's another one. And it was like two corners. We nearly conceded two goals. Um, yeah. It just seems to me like what we saw when we 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 had, they had a runner and they run across the defence, and no one seems to be tracking. That's what they need to do is get someone to work out. That's your job. Just track. If a runner runs, go with them. It's like they were all static. They all stand there waiting for the header, and they don't. They, they're crossing the ball, and they're moving quickly. And when the second one missed, we're like, we don't want another corner. You could tell they, they just we just look vulnerable off a set-piece corners. You know what, weirdly, as good as we did look, and obviously the fact we scored six goals, I think we've played better and not not scored anywhere near as many goals. Funny enough, I don't think it was an absolute walkout top, top, top performance where every single thing went well. I don't think we had to actually be all that good to win last night. Do, do you know what? I, I think we were ruthless. I think I say you had six goals. Absolutely, you were, yeah. You were all fantastic goals, weren't they? And but you know, we spent the last how many years just begging for a, a team that can put the ball in the net. You know how many chances we've created and we've done nothing. And I think I think rather to be honest, rather than two visits here, whether it's four one and six one, I think they are sort of maybe calm as paying a price for that game last season. <laughs> we went like twenty nine <laughs> shots and lost one nil. It's like okay, well, can I just say though, probably should, you probably should have lost that game. So I tell you what, they're going to score six worldies in this one to make up for it. <laughs> what was your Even favorite, favorite one out of the six? That's a that's a good question, but um, I'd probably say Campbell because um, Campbell when he swapped him over to the other side, Campbell uh, he he had that defender. He went left right, left right, and then when he turned again, there was this another defender came across, and he still hit that ball the top corner. That that's got to be that was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Uh, for yeah. me, it was probably um, Mays. To be honest, I think he, that that. First touch, which was perfection, and then smashes it again, bottom corner. Uh, I thought it was an extremely well-taken goal. I 
I liked both of them. All six of them were great, weren't they? You feel a bit bad on the others not to not to pick them. But I liked um gave something different. I liked Lorenz's second goal. Yeah. As well. Just I see the ball. Uh, actually as well, I was um at the other corner and we were where we were sat was like right in, right next to it. So we sort of I started, started recording this corner being taken and it got headed out and into it. And then it was like yeah, it looked like he was being clean. That's so why I stopped recording. And literally, as I stopped recording, the ball come in. Campbell's won a header. Yes, that's right. Campbell haters. He's, he's got an assist with a header. <laughs> um, flicked it on. And Loren, you know, Josh is just taking it anti. Lovely little taking his stride. And then just popped, placed it into the top corner with the, you know, sort of with the laces, if you like. So Can I just ask? Finish. I want to get your opinion. This is a little bit going off on topic here, right? But um, I heard again little murmurings about Campbell the night, which are bloody jokers. I swear, when you when he when he has a an assist and a goal, like you can't criticize the guy. But one thing of people complaining about was the same thing they've been hitting Campbell over with uh, for for ages. He doesn't track back. Well, firstly, he does sometimes. Though um, he's lazy, etc. Now I had a debate about this the other night. I'm I, my point was. Do you remember watching Ricardo Fuller? Did Ricardo Fuller chase back every single five minutes? No, he didn't. Ricardo could do nothing for 80 minutes and he'd turn on the style because he was an explosive player. He'd turn on the style, uh, score your goal, and you were happy that that's all the, all the guy did. So why is that different for Tyrese? Like, okay, I don't, can I, I say don't say what you just said there? Can I say something you just said there? The funny thing, what you just said there, we've had a, literally the exact same conversation in the stands and there was another name another name brought up at exactly the same time, an Altovich. An Altovich yeah. didn't track back half the time. But what did he do? He turned on, I know he's saying an Altovich, but he turned on the magic and scored a goal. Campbell does exactly the same. And Ricardo Fullett. He, he, he'd stand up there. How many times did Ricardo Fuller sit down on the pitch and, like, you know, oh, he's, he's not in it now, he's throwing a tantrum. And then 10 minutes later, scores a world-class goal. I'd yeah. take that every single day of the week. If, if that player is going to be up there and isn't tracking back, but he scores a goal, you can't fault the guy. And if he's assisted and scored, what more do you want from a player up front? Well, Big Mama did um, all of Rick's, you know, chasing around. So I've got no problem with other players, you know, chasing around and, you know, Tyrese finishing it off. Now, if Tyrese has done nothing all game, not assisted, not scored, you know, not really put much effort in, okay, absolutely, you can criticise him. But if he's scoring and assisting, and just because he hasn't ran around a little bit, I, I, I don't know. It's beggar's belief sometimes. Um, but well, sometimes, yeah, sometimes, uh, the players, sometimes the players like that, like an Altovich, he actually said it himself once in a, a commentary. He's saying, man, says, okay, I haven't tracked back, but I'm saving my energy and I'm saving my energy for when I go forward. If I can take on two or three players and score a goal, that's why I'm not exhausted because I'm, I'm running the right way. If I'm coming back, how can I score a goal if I'm at the back and I've got to get up the other end of the pitch? It's a good argument, but sometimes you need that player. But we need an outlet, and sometimes you need a player to stay up there just so you've got an outlet. So you can, if you are pinned back, you've got someone at least will get the ball and take on that defence and free your defence and get your midfield pushing on. You don't want him back all the time. If we're relying on a striker... To save us, there's a problem in, in midfield and defence. That's that's why yeah. we should not be relying on a striker to come back and do that job every single time. 
But you do know sometimes if you, if you're against a very good team and they pinning you back, you still need someone as an outlet. You can't have all your men back. So sometimes you know you've got to have someone to hold the ball up and get your midfield out and then play it back and then run on. So it works in two ways, doesn't it? Oh, but uh, if you're going to use the Ricardo Fuller argument, the only thing place that does fall down slightly is Rick was central was more of a central player. Um, whereas I think if you play on the wings, you are there is more expectation from maybe supporters who are used to playing four four two and stuff like that, or you know you're used to the older fashioned way of playing where your wingers will definitely get back and and help the fullbacks and that. And he's not I a think, winger though, is he? He's a striker. That's where he plays though, isn't it? He plays on the left wow. on the left wing. It's, it's not a traditional winger though. So that's I, it. I, I, was, I was actually watching him last night and I was he was really hugging the touchline for a long time last night. He was really like, you know, getting chalk on his boots as the old fashioned Zaders, you know, really getting out wide. And and I think the, the issue you've got is, like you've just been saying there, on Altovich and Shakiri used to get moaned at you lazy that but they don't they, if they go back what happens then is you won one if we win the ball we've got no outlet we've got no way of getting it forward and if you knock it into the strike he's got nobody to lay it off to so you're never going to you're never going to be able to counter attack people on the break because you've got no options and two if if they do come back then that just gives the fullbacks free reign to come for to push another 10 15 20 yards and then and then you push even further back and you sit even deeper whereas if they stand if he stands further up the field he's pinning the you're their fullback or wing back or whoever's thinking i can't really afford to go forward here because i can't you know this guy's pretty nippy i i'm not going to catch if i go past him and we lose the ball and they play him in he's gone i'm not i'm not going to catch up with him so it works into it's actually a very good it can be used in a defensive way by you're marking your man essentially because you're fullback, but because you are the ability level that you have and the threat level you've got going forward, even though your team haven't got the ball, you can still pin the opposition back by playing that way. And the mm-hmm, other thing, yeah. the main the main thing you've got to realise out of all this is we don't know what he's been told to do. Alex Neal might say, I don't want you in them areas, lad. I want you down there. <laughs> I yeah, want you exactly. in the final third. I want you pushing the fullbacks back. I want you spreading this play. Because if you push them fullbacks back, that makes the pitch longer because you know there's more gaps then. And now I, I rate our midfield against their midfield and they'll have more space to work in. Don't let us get don't get sucked back. Don't let them squash the squash the game. And how many times do we attack by counter-attacking? You need yeah, the outlets. Exactly. You need the pace. That's exactly what you have to do. So I just I'm sitting. I don't hear anymore. If you're going to judge his work rate in the modern day, especially in a four-three-three, if you judge those those wide players' um, work rate, it should be on how they work going forward. And if you've if the opposition defence have got the ball, are they getting into the are they getting into the centre halves, into the full backs, into the wing backs? Pressurizing them and putting, you know, making them making them play the ball earlier than they want to, and um, putting them under pressure, making them take maybe risky passes on, uh, because they, you know because you're there snapping at the reels. That's where the work rate comes in for somebody like Campbell at the minute. Yeah, I don't want to see him back. It's, 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 it's the same as the Vidigal, isn't it? 
if you put, yeah. where would you where would you like to see Vidigal? Would you like to see Vidigal at the back, or would you like to see Vidigal staying opposite side of where Campbell is? I, if I was a defender and I got a Campbell on one side and Vidigal on the other, who was not pushed back, who was staying more or less on the centre centre line, I'd be terrified to go for because I think he'll go at me as soon as he gets that ball. He's going to go at me. And if the other one's on the opposite side, you're thinking, who do I mark here? So not only you've got one centre defender there, you've now got two defenders that can't move because they will know that them two players, only one of them needs to get the ball and they will both go at you. And it only takes one good pass and you're you're in dire straits. So really, you are correct. You're, hold, you're making their, their players stay farther back. So you're taking less pressure off your own area. Well, if anybody listening to this disagrees, uh, please feel free to let us know and justify oh, why. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, oh, there will no, be. Of, of course there will be. And you know what? Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But uh, if you'd rather have no Tyrese Campbell on this team, then, well, it's one of them things. You'll you'll notice him when he's gone. Uh, anyway, Dan, we've kind of gone off a bit of a tangent. Yes, um, I'm going <laughs> to... I have one more thing I want to mention before we get into the man match poll and the draw for round three. Um, I did meet one of our listeners last night. I don't know... I don't really know how to react in that situation when we come up against people. It's happened um, two or three times and you sort of get... sort of just stand smiling like an idiot that somebody actually recognises you because I don't really know what to say. Um, but yes, uh, he said he, he will be listening as uh, he tells me that he listens to all the podcasts much more than he should do, he says. <laughs> and uh, I will say, I did see you have a little smile at the joke I did. So yes, if you are listening, I did see a little smile um, at the joke I made first off. There was uh, Jordan Hugill and give give Josh time and a little nudge early doors, uh, right, right in front of where we were sitting. So the lads around us had, um, had obviously referred to him then as Fatty because Jordan Hugill these days is maybe looking as a for a footballer, like he maybe is carrying a bit of extra timber. So as I uh, as my little mate who I'm, who I'm taking to the match and uh, teaching him all about football these days. Uh, little Mike, he's um, he's then obviously found this hilariously funny, and obviously every time number ten, as he was referring to, oh, where's Fatty? Where's Fatty? And uh, Robert had a corner, so he said, oh, where's, oh, Fatty's gone stand by burger. And I said, yeah, he must think he can eat him. <laughs> and I just saw this little, I saw his little, just this little grin coming his face, just spotted in the corner of my eye. He was like, he just smiled. So yes, you did, you did like my jokes. If there's anything I can do, it's childhood humour to make children laugh as well. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you, you're good at that. And actually, one, that's a, one final thing before my other match. Actually, um, I stayed behind obviously after the game, um, and their number nine was having some treatment. Uh, I said to you, didn't it, Dan? Um, yeah. I can't remember what his name was now, but uh, what's the name? The Anthony Emerson. Yeah, Anthony Emerson, who, who we were standing with, he, he was just watching him and he's like, yeah, there's a player down there um, being seen by the ambulance crew. I was like, what the hell's going on? So obviously we've looked and, yeah, they were doing some working on him a little bit. Like, not, no, it's not like a, what's the name, you know, the Man United situation with Ericsson. It wasn't like that, but, uh, yeah, he, he looked quite serious at one point. Uh, but, yeah, it looks like he, he walked back to the changing room in the end, probably refused to get the ambulance. Um, so hopefully, hopefully he's okay. I haven't heard anything about that, but um, yeah, don't want to end on a somber mood. But uh, like I say, yeah, it was um, either way. Try and pick a man of the match out of that one. 
Uh, Bren, who would your uh, man of the match have been out of interest? Could, could you could you pick one? I mean, you've got to pick one because you can't pick two. So, Berger, without question, uh, I think that that first half, Berger was literally controlling the midfield. He's passing. He was passing without even looking, um, and he was literally picking up. He was doing what Pearson did last season, and he he was just to me, it's got to be Berger. It could have gone to a few of them. You know what? I'm I'm actually going to give it to um, Loren. I think the two goals, brilliant finishes. As we said, put himself about. Uh, Josh gets it for me, but the, uh, yeah, there could have been four or five. I mean, my he scored a goal, set up Tyrese. You could give it to him. Uh, so I'm going to put Josh uh, as my man of the match. Uh, Dan, what, what did you go for? Uh, I went for Berger. I thought he just looked fantastic. I thought he was just a class above. Um, real dictated the play. And, and dare I say, I think I've seen a few people say this, but I was thinking, I was also thinking it's a, if we finally found a, a, you know, Stephen and Zonzi replacement all these years on. Okay. Early brave comment. Well, not brave, but early comment. Um, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> let's let's see where we are in 10, 15 games time with him. But uh, yeah, you can't argue with what he's contributed so far. No. Um, and as for the man of match poll, it was actually it was uh, Walter Berger who got the uh, got the win, sixty eight percent of the vote. So over two thirds of the vote for him. Twenty five percent went to Josh Laron, and Tyrese Campbell was in third place as well. Perfect. Lovely. Are we pretty much done for this game? I don't think I've got anything else to add, yeah, to be honest. Um, probably just mention that round three draws just been done, Auntie, just were recorded. Uh, Bournemouth away. Not not the uh, the greatest of draws. Not one to sort of whet the appetite too much, although it is a nine. It'll be a nice test. Um, nice test against a Premier League side, isn't it? Uh, obviously, we don't know what team they'll put out, but uh, it's uh, nice to see where we're up. A little yardstick if we put a decent side out. Um, that's going to be played the week that commences in September 25th. So, you know, in about what, about four weeks' time. Uh, and also, just one thing to mention is we were one ball off drawing Port Vale, weren't we? They, they came out and they were they were drawing against number 25, which was Sutton, and we, we were 24. And, uh, yeah, followed out a couple of balls later. So, yeah, if we were... Well, one number higher, it could, the Staffordshire Police would have been all leave cancelled. <laughs> yeah, and one thing, obviously, about the Bournemouth game as well, well, there's definitely no Mark Travers is going to be playing. That's we guarantee that one. And obviously, uh, Ben Pearson, of course, uh, makes his return as well, which it's these things sometimes are almost written in the stars, aren't they? It's weird how they kind of come around. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I aren't making a Tuesday night you know, what, 416, 417 mile round trip, I think it was from where we are. Um, so well, it'll be, you mentioned Travis, it'll be interesting, yeah, because that's not a gimme. That, no, no, I know it's not. Just typically they just don't let you do this. Yeah, so it depends how savvy they've been when they've put the deal together, doesn't it? Because I know in league games, I think the literally the rule now in the league games is you can't do it, doesn't it? Um, but I'm sure for cup games, it's different rules. So, I wonder if um, if that is the case. I wonder if uh, Bournemouth have been you know savvy enough to think it just on the off chance we draw you in a cup, he can't play. 
Well, wouldn't it be fun if we take him to penalties and he's the one who saves the penalty to, to win as the tie? <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. Bit of a conflict of interest, that one, isn't it? Being a goal for that game. His parent club versus his new one. Uh, but, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I don't... I wouldn't say it's a great tie. I totally agree. I would have rather have a, a, even a Vale or a Sutton or yeah, whatever um, at home. I'm glad it wasn't. Oh, right. I, said before the, I said before the draw, who you want, the worst team left at home. <laughs> yeah, because it's about going as far as we can. We're not going to win the cup. Let, let's be very honest here. It's not going to happen. You know, Man City will no doubt win it again. But even then, I mean... I would rather a, a Bournemouth than a Man United or a Man City. Some people just want to play the big boys all the time. Not this early for me. Like At least Bournemouth is winnable. If we went away to Man City, forget it. Ain't going to win. So it's not a great draw, but I'll take it, I suppose. Got a choice. <laughs> yeah, well, let's get into the news. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So, under-18s. Now, they didn't have a great start to the season. They lost uh, 6-1 against Leeds. Well, they followed that up with a 4-1 defeat at home to Manchester United last week. Um, so, Luke Enright got the goal uh, for Stoke. But, yeah, it wasn't enough. May United run out comfortable winners at Clayton Wood, 4-1. Uh, this week, we start our Premier League Cup campaign uh, with a trip down to Brighton. That's another long trip. <laughs> um, so that's Saturday 11 a.m. kickoff uh, for anybody down that neck of the woods who's um, you know, got need something to do Saturday morning. Uh, under 21s, now brace yourself. <laughs> oh Last week, they also played Man United on Saturday at Manchester United. And lost by a scoreline of 10, brackets, T-E-N, close brackets, yeah, for the video printer, goals to one. And even mm. our goal scored by Manchester United because it was a known goal. <laughs> yeah, not great, is it? I mean, I know United not have probably got great. some good quality, mate, but... Um... They have. Blondie was in goal. Shock. No. Mm. Macari played, Lowe played, Sparrow played, Jodic played. So it wasn't as if it was an awful side, or you know, I don't know. I don't know what what had been occurring. Whether I don't know whether something had happened to 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 make that, or whether they literally were just outclassed. Um, but yes, a very heavy defeat. I don't think I've ever seen any Stoke side concede double figures before. Um, 
So yeah, I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll look to bounce back and they do have the chance. And this Friday, so day off release of this podcast, uh, they're away at Leeds at 7 pm kickoff there. So yes, a good chance there to bounce back. Um some good news though. The women last week they had a 3-0 win at Northampton in the FA Women's National League Cup. So got their campaign there off to a great start there with a nice 3-0 win. Uh, and this week they are playing at home to Huddersfield on Sunday at 2 p.m. kickoff. Interestingly, Mike, home games now, Clayton Wood. Or at least this one is anyway. So that's um another change for the women, isn't it? From obviously playing, you know, playing out of the sort of the, the bounds of the club. They've been brought into the into the training ground for this one. Yeah, good. About about time. As you say, I think it's that step up to that semi-professional. They're going to be having more use of the facilities and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I guess if I mean with, with that, I assume that anyone could probably just go down and and watch if they wanted to. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it'll yeah. be on the show the show pitch, won't it? At the front, um, mm-hmm. we've got a couple of still little stands out. It doesn't hold massive amounts, but but yeah, it's, um. We've got people, and then obviously you've got the grass ridge and everything on the other side. So, yeah, um, good luck to them. And uh, yeah, I hope we get to start getting some decent crowd going down to watch. Now, are, are we safe to say that we've got a new signing named Bay? Um, at the game once he on Tuesday. He's flown halfway around the world from South Korea. Pretty much all the reports say it's done. As of recording Wednesday night, nothing's been announced. Surely, it, we're just waiting for a bit of paperwork to be finished, aren't we? Maybe a work permit or an international visa or something. I can absolutely tell you, it's done. There we go. There you go. So if it hasn't been announced by Friday morning, for whatever reason, Michael Stockley is here to give you the breaking news, everybody. It's done. Welcome to the Potteries. Um, seems an exciting signing, to be honest, don't it? Uh, Brandon, what you, have you seen uh, much of him on uh, the old YouTube videos that can make make me and you look like Ronaldo? <laughs> I have seen some things. I'm very impressed. What I am impressed about mainly, um, what he was saying, he seems very confident. Um, some people are saying he's a bit arrogant, but if you've got the ability... And he had the option to choose from several clubs and uh, he's obviously chose to come to Stoke. If it is officially done deal, um, I like confidence and I, I like the fact that he's confident in his own ability. It's a bit like, um, what's he got, Vidigal? He's confident. So, yeah, I, I'd like him in the team. It's where he's going to play him. Um it's going to take a bit of time, but I think we've got a good player there. I was going to say, I, pr- I probably agree with you. I mean, I, I don't know where he's going to play. Uh, it feels like we're almost, all of a sudden, got like three players who will all expect to play um, in that Daniel Johnson role. <laughs> so, um, good luck figuring out which one to play per game. I mean, that's obviously Alex Neal's problem. But, uh, yeah, from again, you can only go off YouTube videos, but from everything I've seen... He looks to be again another player that puts himself about, and I don't think you can ever have too many attacking options as long as you can keep them happy, I suppose. Well, it's about time, don't you think, that we've got players that are fighting for the same position? Um, where we've had players before, oh, if I don't play very well, well, there's somebody particular on the bench that uh, 
I can help. You know, I'm, I'm going to get a guaranteed start every week. Now we've got to the point where we've got players. Hold on a minute. If I don't play well, somebody's going to be taking my place. This is what Stoke need. I think across the board, it's about time. And I, I just, I, that's why I feel confident. We've always got somebody else now knocking on the door. So that player, he can't be lackadaisy on the pitch. He's got to play for his, he's got to play for his place because he knows there's somebody banging on that door right behind him. And now we've got somebody behind that person. So not only could you be dropped from the, that, that position, you could end up being in third place again. So it, it's going to make the, the, the players who are playing for our team give 100%, I hope. And Dan, what did we say all last season, mate, about Nick Powell? Nick Powell gets injured and the whole team crumbles around us. Like, this now should, in theory, not happen. Yeah, we've got you've got horses for courses in our lessons, haven't you? Because a lot of these attackers, you know, they all look very They've all got really different games, haven't they? So depending on how the opposition set up and what their strengths are and their weaknesses, we can pick different attackers for different games. You know, do you need a big Wesley up front or do you need a Ryan May? Do you need do you need the work rate of a Larice or do you need the flair of a Vidigal? The energy of Loren, box to boxing, or can you afford to play with Berger and Bay or you know Daniel Johnson or they've got there's op- attacking options now. They've, they've really, really gone in depth and they haven't just gone copycat. We, we want to play this way and I'm going to get six of these players in to play across the forward line and, and be in reserve. They've got, like I say, really different options and that's the exciting thing. There shouldn't be, a, if something's not working in a game, you can literally go two, three subs and everything changes. It's like the other thing, isn't it? Um, what like going for the season? It's a long season, isn't it? And how many times have you heard, oh, that player's looking tired, but in next week he's playing again? You know, because we haven't got anybody else to take that position. And like you say, you've got different varieties of players now. So when the players are starting to feel a bit tired, he can literally change it. It feels like now we haven't just got option A and option B. We've got A, B and C. So we can look at that team Oh, we're playing them this week. They play that certain style. Oh, they play a bit more meaty style. We've got players that will work and be meaty as well. And we've also got flamboyant players so we can proper mix it up with the teams we're playing against. Yeah, for sure. I think I say that's where we sort of fell behind last year. I think that's why we lost so many games at home because we went 1-0 down and we didn't know what to do. We had one way of playing. We only had three, we only had three attackers, didn't we? Possibly four you know, um, when Powell was fit and that, and it was like, so we've got to play this way. If it didn't work, you've just got to persevere with it. Sit at home or sit at the ground and think, that's the team they're going to play out this week. And you know full well that you look at the team and you're like, oh, I didn't see that one coming. And and that's what I love about it because it's we were on the edge because we don't know it. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, definitely. And... Um, one, one interesting thing now, for how many years we've been very sort of British focused, haven't we? Um, and obviously, you know, we, we all were well, fully aware that there's been a real sort of turnaround in recruitment and, and uh, that kind of strategy over this summer. But it's interesting that with Bay signing, that, that means that there's only Norwich in this division who've got more foreign players in their squad than Stoke. You wouldn't have been thinking that, would you, in at the, at the beginning of May? 
No, the uh, the Jared Dublin effect, um, no doubt. To be honest, you wouldn't have been thinking at the end of June, would you? Because we didn't sign anyone until then. It's great, though. I mean, also, we, we know, what, what was it? I think if you get half the amount of signings coming over, you sorry, of all the signings that come over, the Prince just surely said the average is about half actually work out. Um, I mean, how many foreign players have we brought in? So, I don't know, 14 or whatever the heck it was. I'd have to look at the list. But either way, let's call it 12 that we've had foreign signings. If six of them work out and it's the likes of, you know, your burger, Lloris uh, and people like that, they're very, very good, uh, you know, very, very good potential uh, to work out. So I think... The fact that we're signing numbers, we're signing like uh, uh, Joic, I think it is, uh, as well, that obviously made the, the bench last night. Um, he's clearly one that's probably going to be for next season now. Uh, so if there are any that don't necessarily set the world alight, don't necessarily rule them out just yet. You know, we're still building for next year and beyond. So, um, yeah, I... I'd say I'd say Dan that it's it's nice to see a bit of change because it was getting a little bit boring to be honest. It was okay, right? So we need a left back. What British left backs are all around? Oh, not many good ones. Okay, we'll we'll end up picking up a freebie then. Uh, it's nice now to actually have no flipping clue what's going to happen next. Makes a change. I saw, I heard something really really funny on the social media the other day, and it was just it was so funny. Um, somebody put a complaint on social media saying it's been two days. This is not good enough. Stoke haven't made another signing. It's just been so really, really, really strange. Like at the start of the season, we're like we're all panicking. Oh, we've got rid of all these players. Some of the management team have gone. Uh, we're not signing anyone. And then it just felt like every single day there was somebody either coming or somebody saying, oh, he's interested in coming. Now, it got to the point where you're looking at social media and thinking, what's going to happen today? And then that person going, two days, not good enough. You know, it's just so funny. But I, I, I really, really think the scouts and everybody have done a fantastic job because some of these players, we we've not even predicted. And then out the blue... Um, we're talking to uh, signing a £4.5 million player. And we're like, hold on, when was the last time Stoke spent over £2 million for a player? And then you look at what these players are saying abroad because you actually hear what they're saying. And they're eager and they're actually saying, yeah, I want to come to Stoke. I'm like, not only are we signing players, but these players are actually saying they want to come. It's It's been that long since we've had players saying, I want to play for Stoke City, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I think it's absolutely fantastic. I really do. And I just think some of the players, yeah, they're not going to be doing light at the stage this season, but Stoke, push, Stoke want to get up there. I don't know if we're going to make it up there this season, but if they don't, next season, and some of these players that we're signing, wow, just wow. Just give them a chance. Get behind the manager and get behind the team because I think we're in for a good ride. Yeah, and I think one thing I definitely, Bren, I'd say right now, we ain't finishing 16th or 17th of this team. No flipping chance. Yeah, I think we've we've definitely got an exciting season ahead, haven't we? And like I say, we're not we're not even we're not even far from finished in this transfer window. Um, I'm going to chuck some out. So Thomas Asante, um, two million pound bid. Stoke expected to come back in with a bigger bid. Um, I thought he'd be going for a lot more than that. Um, but as a West Brom fan sort of said to, to me and Mike earlier on, you know, he's 
they're desperate for money and we are fully aware that they're desperate for money. Um, so we're trying to get him sort of on the cheap and that, but I th- I'd be quite happy with Thomas Asante. I mean, Mike, what, what, what do you think about uh, Ben Wilmot's nemesis? Although Ben holds no ill feeling, I'm sure that will be totally should should be. We, I think we've had our fun with him now, haven't we? I think uh, regardless of what happens, it, you know, move on with that now. But yeah, he, uh, what do you feel about uh, uh, Thomas Asante possibly joining? Um. I mean, from what I've seen of him, he seems to put himself about again. Uh, that term we keep using, but that he does. Uh, I think his goal scoring ratio isn't too bad off the top of my head. I don't think. I think when he he seems to be a bit of a like a sub player for for West Brom. Um, but I, again, I think we we need probably more physical options. And I'm not going to say he's a he's certainly no Wesley, but I think we do again need a little bit of a different type of striker and I think he is that different type of striker again now obviously we're not privy to what Ryan May's injury is all about so it could be a week it could be three months who knows at this point so we might potentially lose him obviously Vidigal hopefully should be back soon Um, I just think it adds something different to to the lineup Uh, I mean that for me however Dan probably spells the end for Dwight Gale I can't see how Dwight Gale will get into this team ever again if we keep if we sign another striker. He missed an open goal again the other day, and then uh, he was he's got to be, in my opinion, no, one I'm of the most. Not that. To be fair, <laughs> we were right. Like I say, we were right there, and um, I actually spoke to that though. I just mentioned earlier on when he did it because Dwight Gale had got himself in the perfect position for a tap in, and the defender slid in and literally just. Took it off his toe. Do you know I mean there's nothing Gail could have done? And Gail, you looked, you looked around, and then he sort of said, "You could see him like talking to the goalkeeper, shaking his head, as if say, I do not know what I need to do to get goals at this with this team.'" I was just about to say he's got to be the most yeah, unlucky just, striker. <laughs> that's what I said. I said, I said he just has no luck whatsoever since he's joined us. There can't be a space left for him, though, can there, Dan? I mean, surely we get another striker. He's got to go. Not just not for our benefit, really. For the for his own benefit, he's going to want to play football for another year or two yet, you'd imagine. So he needs to go for his own good, I think. Yeah, he's at that age. He's going to want to keep playing, isn't he, as much as he can, um, you'd imagine. So... Would West? Yeah, yeah. I think West Brom would have him back as well, you know, because he did really, really well for West Brom when he played for him. You know, um, offered offered Dwight Gale plus cash. I've got a feeling because West Brom are in dire straits. I've got a few friends at West Brom, and they are desperate for money. This is what they're saying: they are desperate. So offer the money and the player, and then uh, see what happens. Because I, I can't see Dwight Gale, like, like you say, I, I can't see Dwight Gale getting in the team. We get another striker. That's it. Dwight Gale team going go on the bench. So. Give give the lad a chance and offer him and see what West Brom say. You got you got nothing to lose. I mean, I like Dwight Gale. I do like Dwight Gale, but I just don't think he's. Good. I just think he's the most unlucky striker. But I just I just can't see him breaking into the team. I can't see him pushing any of the strikers out we've got at the moment, and we want to sign more. Do you think the uh, the Tom Cannon? 
deal's done because he's withdrawn himself from the Everton team tonight. Uh, I believe Norwich have bid seven million quid for him. Uh, I think Middlesbrough have been sniffing around. Who? Well, they're always sniffing around everybody in Middlesbrough. Um, do you think that one's dead? Or I mean, if Norwich are bidding seven million quid, I don't see us necessarily trying to outbid them uh, for Tom Cannon, and neither would I want us to, if I'm honest. So, do you think Thomas Asante is a cheaper option for us? I can't see us um, paying seven or eight million pounds for him. I really can't. We 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 don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know how much money we've actually got left. We don't know. Um, or is that are we going to sell another couple of players that we don't know about? Because they're saying there's going to be more players going. I think there's definitely more more to come in. Um, I've got Reggie Cannon, a free agent, into the American um, sort of fullback. Uh, Osmajic, I, I think that's how you say it. The striker from Cadiz, another one we've been heavily linked with. You know, quite a few links, his agent links, spite a few links in Spain. Um, so that's one. And then you've got like uh, Lyndon Gooch is um, yes one to keep an eye on that. That sort of movement there in in relation to Stoke. Um, interesting to know as well that during his time at Sunderland, Alex Neal played him a lot at left back. So could that be Gooch is going to be coming in, Lyndon Gooch, and Josh Tymon, as we mentioned earlier on, is uh, maybe on the way to Leeds or Swansea? Yeah, Lyndon Gooch. I, mean, I swear we were linked with him. Very much at the really start. Yeah. I try, I try to remember if it was at the very start of the window. I swear his name was linked with us previously, Dan. I could be yeah. very wrong, or we were just told about him earlier on the window. I don't remember. But, um, yeah, I, again, I think we've we've already said on this pod without going to – I'm going to repeat myself. I'm going to make one comment and leave it there. But, like, we need – we need someone who can can fill in as as a, as a backup if Josh is going. Someone who can play left back, even if it's not necessarily his absolute natural. Or again, you know, Henry could go back in January. It could very well happen. So we need again somebody else who can go in there. If it doesn't happen, we still need a backup. Uh, the guy from Colchester could that come in possibly? Um, so yeah, for me, again, it's an option. Wouldn't be expensive. Um, I'd yeah, I'd I'd take it. Yeah, and uh, he might not be the only Josh on the move either. There are rumours that uh, Josh Loren is wanted uh, in a club in Serie A. Yeah, um, I don't know about this one. Would we really sell Josh? I, no, he's the captain. He's been made captain this season. He's clearly in Alex Neal's plans. I don't know where this has come from, whether they just think we're overloaded in, in midfield, which I don't actually think we are, to be honest. I think we're, we're comfortable. Um, for 4 million euros as well? No, no, no thank you. Well, no chance. They want to have him on loan for the season before they decide whether they want to buy him. Which means they can send him back, which I'd rather have him now. With the team we've got now, I, I wouldn't let him go. I'm sorry, it'd be a simple no after what I saw the other day with that team. That'd be a silly thing to do. And with him making captain, why would you make someone captain and then sell him straight away? Yep, exactly, yeah. I think he's... I say he's... They know he is 
um, you know, he's like I say, he's a skipper. He's settled. He, you can see that he's got that relationship as well with a lot of this, with a lot of the players who who were here last season, can't you? You know, your Campbells and um, you know people like that, you, you Wilmot and that. You can see the bond that they've all got together. So you think he'd be daft really to to to, to move along. I mean, it's a great opportunity for him in one respect. Let's be honest. You know, top flight football and one of yeah, the one of the um, the world's you know, top leagues, and also I suppose you could say he, he could be twisting Ben Will. Let's see, continue by you just to see uh, you know, what 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 kind of thing to expect and you know, get his advice because obviously Ben had a spell with Udinese, didn't he, earlier on in his career? Yeah, got to keep him for me, Dan. Yeah, but yes, for me exactly, yeah, the same, exactly the same as well. Um, I think it would be really, would be really daft decision more than anything else to to let him go. It's nice uh, to know though that the the big clubs are actually talking about Stoke players as well, though, isn't it? It's nice to actually have players recognise that. Yeah, you've got good players. Because um, last season we didn't see nothing like that, so it, it's nice to be recognised, but. I just think it, you know, it'd be a silly mistake to let him go now, considering the team was based around him. Yeah, and I think he is going to get competition for his place here. You know, he might not be a guaranteed starter for forty plus games a season like he was last year, but I think that's that's a challenge to him then, isn't it, to step up his game and and keep out the the Daniel Johnsons or the Burgers or the you know whoever else comes in in the next few days. Yeah, I don't think he'll go. I, don't, I think time, I think time and will, but I would be you know more than happy for him to stay, um, as long as he don't give him away. That's my my key thing there. Um, you know, in respect of you know, get a good fee for him, and uh, yeah, but I don't think Josh Loren will leave. Shall we get into the Preston game? Yeah, go for it. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along the So, I'm going to open with some statistics for you as normal. We have met Preston on 111 occasions with 37 wins, 24 draws and 50 defeats. At Stoke, we've played them 57 times with 27 wins, 15 draws and 15 losses. However, in the most recent times, we've not got a great record at home against Preston. Um, we haven't beaten them at home since 2007, which is six matches ago. And in fact, that is our only victory against Preston at home in the last 10 meetings at the Bet365 Stadium, which dates back to 2002. Uh, Alex Neal, so his record against Preston is 1-1 and lost 2. Ryan Lowe, the Preston manager, his record against Stoke is 1-2, lost 1. Um, and then Lowe versus Alex Neal, it's one win apiece. Uh, interestingly, Alex Neal versus his former club. So if I look at this, since he left, when he's played clubs that he used to manage, uh, obviously post his time there, he's got three wins, four draws and five defeats in that time. Uh, we are going for a fifth consecutive home victory, which will be the first time since August 2021. Uh, last season, we only won seven home games. In the entire season, we've already won four, just four get home games in, and we've won all of them. So we're over halfway. We've also scored 13 goals in those four home games, 
Last season, we scored 28 in 25 home games in the whole season. So we're nearly halfway towards the goals tally as well, which is incredible. <laughs> Love it. Um, the home record this season, as we just mentioned, played 4-1-4. Preston's away record, two away games, 1-1, one, one, drew one. Um, so, yeah, they obviously, if they, uh, they were looking for one of those teams, we'll be looking to inflict defeat on the other for the first time, weren't they, in this instance? So we are six points better off on the corresponding games from last season. A win would be our third best start in the last 25 years. Uh, we would have nine points uh, after five games, and that's only been better than 2021 when we had 10 points and 2004 when we had 11 at this stage of the season. That's, yeah, since 25 years. Um so yeah, we uh, happy times at the minute. Uh, if Josh Tymon is still a Stoke player and starts this match, it will be his 100th start for the club, which is more than any other player in the squad. Um, and Pres- uh, Preston have scored five of their six goals this season in the second half. So they seem to let teams, uh, you know, eye teams up in the first half, and then it's in the second half after the break that they strike. Uh, Stokes record is flipped slightly the other way. They scored three in the first half and two in the second. Um, now, shots. So it's interesting. Stoke have had 78 shots this season, scored five goals, a conversion rate of 6.4% in the league, of course, that is, um, which is actually one of, the, one of the lower ones still in the league. You're talking probably bottom third, bottom quarter in the entire division there. Preston, on the other hand, have scored still their six goals this season from just 39 shots, which is a conversion rate of 15.4%. So they're a lot more, um, a lot more potent in front of goal, and you know, don't need obviously less chances than Stoke. However, the plus point for us is that those 39 shots that Preston have had is less than any other team in the whole division. So even your Rotherhams. Your Sheffield Wednesdays, teams like that, they've all had more shots this season than Preston. They've had less than anyone in the championship. Um, it's just that when they do have shots, they tend to be quite good at putting them away and finding the back of the net. Um, one more thing, the first goal is going to be crucial in this game because in the last two seasons, Preston have won 20 of 21 games that they've taken the lead in. Ooh, OK. <laughs> uh, yeah. Would you like to know uh, on this day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, go on. So, on this day, so we're talking the 2nd of September. So, there's uh, there's, there's one that's uh, a bit sombre, and then there's one that's a, um, a start, it starts a negative that started a positive. So, you enjoy both of them? Go on. Go, go negative and then end on the positive, yeah. Okay, so the uh, 2nd of September 1939, Stoke travelled to Ayrson Park to play Middlesbrough, came away with a point after drawing 2-2, left them ninth in the table after three matches. This, however, was the last game before the league was cancelled for the Second World War. With the three matches removed from the record, it would then be seven years until the next football league match was held. Bloody hell. Could you imagine that now? I know. What, 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 what would we do for seven years without football? I know. Um, we have to speak um, to the wife. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't last long. She wouldn't be your wife for very long if you had to talk to her. Oh, God, then. <laughs> She'd be like, get out of my house, you. <laughs> uh, 
Um, 19, she loves you really, Mark. I'm only joking. Uh, 1992, 2nd of September. Mark Steen's goal at Valley Parade was not enough to prevent Bradford City winning 3-1. However, the defeat would be the pot of last until February as they embarked on an unbeaten run of 25 games that would, in the end, see them promoted. Hmm, OK. OK. Um... Yes, those are the two fixes. Thank you to Richard Murphy for this wonderful book of Stoke City on this day. Little white, little book, white, white cover on. If anybody sees one knocking around, well worth a few pounds of anybody's money. Okay, well, interesting. Um, did you notice that Liam Lindsay's clearly settled in at Preston? I think he scored last match, I think, to win in the game. Yes, uh, he has scored a couple of times, hasn't he? I've noticed that he's uh, he's doing very well there, isn't he? I think he's you know, he's quite highly rated still in that. So he's um, yeah, definitely one who's picked up his career post post Stoke because I think it yeah he came didn't he was quite promising I know him and Adam Davis came from Barnes I don't think everyone was thinking you know they'd been in the team of the year and everything in League One as Barnes so he'd been really good you know played really well got promoted and his career really stalled at Stoke let's be honest didn't he to think he he just wasn't the right club at the right time for him. Um, but yeah, fair play. He's, he's picked it back up. Yeah, I wasn't convinced he was going to be a championship player. If I'm honest with you, Dan. But um, yeah, I mean, you can't argue with with Preston Stark, can you? I mean, what was it played for? They've won three, drawn one. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a pr- pretty damn good start. I mean, I think uh, we've got some audio coming up, as as I'm sure you'll introduce in a minute. But um, I think even the Preston fans wouldn't have expected a start like this. So, but, you know, f- fair dues to them. Uh, where it'll end up, I don't know. But I think they've got a good manager at the end of the day. I think they've they've got a talented manager who knows what he's doing. Uh, so I personally think this is going to be a bloody difficult game, if I'm honest with you. Uh, I know we're you know at what... home. So go on. Yeah. Do, sorry. Do, uh, do you know what it is with Preston as well? I think they've got, like, one of the lowest budgets in the league in the mm. every season, they'll have one of the lowest budgets in the league, and they continue to sort of overcome that and, and, and end up, you know, higher mid table year after year after year, top half finishes again and again. Um, well, away from the relegation zone, even if they have a bad year. Um, and you, you think that, like, the players there, they sort of that sort of close knitness. And they're together and they sort of work for it hard for each other. There's no big time Charlies, if you like, if you know, and there's no um no people on massive wages and stuff like that. So they're all didn't you, they're all in there and then they and they they're all looking to progress together and they work hard for each other. Yeah, exactly that, mate. We've we've always said, haven't we? You know, effort sometimes outstrips quality. Um, so I think we need we need to match them up. I think the the main thing for us is they aren't going to be a team. Where I think we're going to sit back. They're going to have plenty of confidence. They're going to think they can come here and and win. Uh, and who can blame them? I, I again, I don't want to talk the whole on paper <laughs> situation that got me in trouble last time. Uh, but I would probably argue that we in theory should have the stronger team but like we've said i mean hard work always always pays a difference i mean I, I, like i said i was i was going to say this this is going to be a a bloody difficult game um i think it's going to be a draw personally dan i'd love to predict a win 
Uh, I do think it's going to be more difficult than we probably would have expected pre-season. But uh, yeah, I think they've got a few good players. Obviously, uh, Keane up front um, is uh, another one that can be can obviously be, can be dangerous. Uh, you've got a few. Uh, I think Ledson. Uh, I think, if I remember rightly, is is pretty decent. Obviously, Lindsay uh, can find his way. Um, into seemingly goal-scoring situations. Now, one of them being set-pieces, if I remember rightly. So we've just been talking about the set-pieces and how, how bad they are for us. So we need to be extra careful because Liam Lindsay, I'm sure, would love to score against Stoke. Um, and it'd just be a bit poetic, don't you think, that he, he does that? So um, I think we need to be very careful. They, I think they pretty much play like a 3-4-2-1, uh, typically. Uh, so I think that's, again, a, a, they'll be packing the midfield, and I think they can turn that into a 4-3-3 pretty quickly as well. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a tricky game, Dan, but I don't think we're going to win. I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw, uh, personally, on this one. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, what what are you thinking, Brad? What are your, your thoughts ahead of the match? Um, to be fair, I think they'll do us on a set piece, but I think we'll win two one. I think we we've got at that midfield. Um, we can change it up. I just think we've got a bit more, a bit more than what we had last season. So I'd go with a two one win. But I think they'll get us on a set piece. I know that I can just feel it coming. I can just feel that's where the goal is going to come from. I just hope it isn't Lindsay because he, he not only will he enjoy the goal, I think he'll rub it in front of the Boven end. Do you think? I don't think he left on bad terms as such, did he? I don't think he got any ill feeling towards the, the club. It was just one of them deals that didn't really work out. Not it's like, just not like a, a Badu and Die or a Peter Atibo. <laughs> Yeah, I still think he'll celebrate in front of the Vuvan end because, uh, you know what I mean, because he'd be happy to score there. But I just think it's just one of them things. That it, it, it's Stoke's luck, isn't it? It, it? We've always had players come back and bite us. So I just got a feeling, I've got a bad feeling, it's going to be a set piece and watch him be the one that scores it. Yeah, you can you can you can imagine it's, it's you are you are right now. The more the more I hear it, the more I think, yeah, this is very stoke here. <laughs> um I put I'm gonna go with two nil. I'm gonna go two nil to uh, the Mighty Potters. Uh, I think we'll get an early goal. I think and we'll do that. So like I say Preston sort of come better in the second half, but I think by then, um, like I say, we'll be a goal up. That will sort of control the game better. I think the the, the win in midweek will do wonders for the confidence of, of someone like Loren and Pearson who've you know, been in out in and out the side. And uh, and yeah, I think we'll we'll hit them again late on. Hit them on the get make a few subs, bring some fresh legs on in attack, and hit them on the break and get the, the killer second goal late on. Um, Ooh, shall we okay. hear what what Graham McGarry uh, his prediction is, and and then check in with our our trusty friends at Preston. Yeah, go on. Here we go again, you Potters predictors. He's back to league action, having booked your place in the third round of the Carabao Cup with an easy victory over Rotherham United. Now you turn your attention to try and get some more championship points on the board when you take on Preston North End and the Ryan Lowe side that are coming over 
to the Bet365 Stadium. They've started really well, Preston, unbeaten so far in the league. I'm going to provide a stern test for Stoke. Stoke are really producing the goods in front of the passionate home supporters. I think it's going to be a tight game. It could be one of those that uh, could go either way. But I'm going to sit on the fence for this Saturday afternoon's prediction and I'm going to go for goals and a score draw of Stoke City 1, Preston North End 1. Hello listeners of Every Step Along The Way podcast. Uh, my name's Ollie from the Butterfly podcast, a Preston North End related podcast. Uh, and I've just been asked by Dan uh, from um, obviously Every Step Along The Way podcast uh, to do a little preview of Saturday's match of Stoke City versus Preston North End, but obviously he's a Preston North End fan. Um, so what I'm just going to go uh, talking about is how things are going currently with P&E. So we've got off to a fantastic start this season, you know, um, three wins and a draw in our first four games. I think every Preston fan would probably have snapped your hand off if if that was uh, asked of them before it actually uh, came to fruition. But yeah, it's been a fantastic game. And I, I realistically think that the one reason how we've turned it around is Lowe's finally got his squad and we're finally starting to click. He's starting to become more open to the fact that he wants to play more attacking football like he was at Plymouth. I think the step up to the championship kind of brought him down a bit of a level um, and just came a bit more conservative so the football wasn't the greatest on the eye. Um, but also he's managed to be able to change up things now and um, it's been really good for the squad. Um, obviously, going into the latter end of the transfer window before the game, uh, we mentioned that wanting one or two more incomings to come in, so potentially that could swing our way. I'm not sure they'll play against Stoke if there uh, if there is any going to be any incomings coming soon. Um, but yeah, um, the main players to look out for, well, I would say main player, uh, is Mad Frocky Jensen. What a player! Um, he's a player that shouldn't be playing for Preston, but is. Uh, which is fantastic to be able to, to be able to say yeah. But he wears his socks low, hardly any shin pads, and you know he can make something out of nothing. He's kind of a a maverick, as my co-host says, where you know he can be silent all all game and then just deadly for five seconds and stick the ball in the back of the net. And that's exactly what you need um, from those type of creative players. So he's one to keep an eye on. I would also say. Uh, the left wing back came best, a 17-year-old lad um, who's only really started in the championship this season. So he's going to be a big player in the game. Whether or not you know he performs or not, it's going to be remains to be seen. He's done all right so far, but you know he's still 17. So I'd expect Stoke to potentially try to exploit his side at left wing back during the game. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you a little prediction now. I'm going to actually swing the momentum. I'm going to say 2-1 Preston North End. Obviously, uh, if it doesn't happen, there's still going to be a uh, review and a um, a nice little bit of uh, bitterness from myself with, you know, obviously Stokes' current squad and management of Alex Neal and Paul Gallagher and Ben Pearson and Daniel Johnson, who, you know... Uh, four massive parts of you know P and E realistically, and Ben Pearson especially was probably the best player I've seen at Deepdale uh, in a Preston North End shirt. So it'll be a pleasure to watch him 
again, um, he's probably guaranteed to get a book in anyway. But yeah, I'm going to go 2-1 Preston North End. Um, and yeah, if you, if you want to listen into uh, the match um, reaction, if uh, Stoke do end up winning, uh, then just go over to the Buttpipe podcast on Twitter or on Spotify to give us a listen. Okay, thanks, Dan. Thank you, Graham, and thank you, Oliver. That's uh, much welcome there. Um, same, same prediction as you, man. One, one, one. Um, but it was a bit odd to be predicting a state win, and then obviously Graham's there, and it all makes sense now. <laughs> hey, you're the one who's been copying off uh, Graham the last two weeks, if I remember rightly. So uh, you can't give me stick for that. Uh, but no, Graham has been copied off me the last two oh, weeks. Is that how it is? Is it okay? That's the um, chain here. Graham copies off me, you copy off Graham. It just feels weird. I can't see us winning five home games on the trot. That just feels completely unrealistic. Uh, and like I said, I, I genuinely do think Preston are going to be harder than than uh, probably bar Watford. I mean, I think they'll be different. I think they'll be, obviously, Watford was a challenge, but I, th- I think Preston will be a challenge as well, but for different reasons. So, yeah, I'm sticking to me 1-1, one, one, Dan. I'm still thinking it's going to be a, a difficult one. Um but yeah, fair news, Graham. As long as I, either way, you're you could potentially overtake Graham. I think with your prediction, if you get the score and everything right, or well, the very least, you'll be up there. Um, and if me and Graham do well, then we'll take over you. So you'll go bottom of the league. If I, I, I haven't seen the, the actual table, but that's the main thing is that I beat you. To be honest. Okay. Okay. I get it. <laughs> um. Right, yeah, do you want some, would you like some referee stats and then we can sort of digest what teams we're going to pick and where we think it's going to be game we won? Yeah, go on. So the referee is Matt Donoghue. Um, refereed four games this year, 21 yellow cards, no reds. He's given two penalties already. Uh, last season, he had 35 games, 133 yellows, three reds, and he only gave five penalties. Uh, last season, he actually refed it quite a few times, so... You have to in the 0 0 draw at QPR, the 3 1 loss away at Huddersfield, a 1 0 loss away at Blackpool, the 3 2 home win against Blackburn, and he reft us in the 2 0 away win at Deepdale when we played Preston. Um, so, obviously, Preston wise, he refereed them in that game, and he also refed them in the 4 0 loss away at Middlesbrough. Uh, overall, he's had 11 Stoke games, giving us 16 yells, 1 red, with 1 4, drew 2, lost 5. Uh, winning two out of five at home. Uh, he's refereed Preston on six occasions, 13 yellows, two reds. Uh, they've won two or drawn one or lost three. Uh, away from home, they just have a draw and a defeat with him refing them. So now we just add that to round off everything you need to know. What team are you picking and why, Mike? Okay. Um... I don't think we can go too dramatically different. So uh, a couple of changes. Uh, Mark Travers obviously coming back in. That's the easiest decision of them all. Um, we've then got Henry uh, keeping his position at right back. Wilmot and McNally in the middle. Stevens will take Josh Tymon, who will leave the club uh, for me. And then midfield, again, so many combinations here, right? But I'm going to go for Pearson and Loren to be in the middle. Johnson's going to drop down to the bench and Berger is going to take his spot. And then the front three is going to be uh, Larice on the right, Campbell on the left, and Wesley up top on his own 
to get that hold up play. Um, Lloris, because he had a game. Campbell, again, good game, assist, a goal. Berger, obviously, because of his his ability and what he's shown. Uh, you don't drop Pearson for Thompson in any parallel universe. Um, and uh, Josh Loren has obviously justified his, his chance with two goals and an assist the other day. So um, I think I will be shocked if it's dramatically different than that. I will be very shocked because I just think, for me, that makes the most sense. Um, I think Maie would have kept his place if he hadn't been injured personally. Uh, but I think that will be my team. Wonderful. And um, yourself, Brendan, what's your team? <laughs> I literally was going to say exactly the same formation, the same team. I can't believe you just said exactly what I was thinking. Great minds, Brent. Great minds. <laughs> well, well, that, that, that saved a bit of time. <laughs> is, it, is that I your team as well, is it? <laughs> Well, I've got, yeah, there's Travers, Hoover, <laughs> McNally, Stevens, Pearson, Loren, Berger, um, my up front, I've got Campbell and Villigal on the wings if Villigal is fit. If not, then Larice can play there. Is there any, any news on Villigal? What, what's his injury? Because I've not heard anything. I've heard absolutely nothing, which is just typical Stoke these days, isn't it? Which is intentional. I'd rather not know, actually, which means that the opposition don't know. But uh, he just said back soon, didn't he, Dan? Uh, Vidigal. That could mean yeah. a week, a month. I don't know. Or could it mean he's actually playing on Saturday and we're not we're not saying anything? Yeah, could well do that. And he was literally just rested because it was the cut game. They thought, oh, you've, you've had a few weeks. You've taken a few kicks. I'll have to have the game off. But there's yeah, no need to take a risk thinking. on him either. Because if let's face it, after Saturday, we've got the international break. So even if you know, even if he's seventy percent, don't start him, put him on the bench, and if we need to bring him on, bring him on. Otherwise, just give him the international break to relax, rest up, and then go again after the international break. I tell me, I wonder how many of these I mean go off on a slight tangent. I wonder how many international clubs we're gonna actually have. It'd be interesting to see. Uh, how many of these players are actually getting called up for the national sides now that now they're playing at Stoke, isn't it? In the next oh, could, you, could you see Bidigal? Oh, all over the place. If Bidigal's fit, could you see Bidigal wanting to sit on that bench? I, I can't. I can see him begging to be on that pitch. Well, I don't care what he wants. I think he, he's got to do as he's told. Like, it, it, it's it's one of that. Like, do we really, does he really want, this is what, um, Oh Christ! What what player was was uh, Alex Neal slating? It was um, Tezgal. Uh, Tezgal made the decision that he was fit enough to play. Plays him, does his injury, and then he's now completely out of the picture. Um, so I think it would be a stupid decision to 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 start him unless he's properly fit. Uh, there's n- there's no real reason. We've got enough in this team to win that game without Vidigal. As much as I'd love him in the team, I think it would be a stupid idea to throw him, throw him in. Fair play. Fair enough. Have we got Gaffer in Super 6, Mike? Uh, haven't got uh, Gaffer. If, you, if you've got Gaffer, Dan, you uh, you go for it. I don't I don't even bother checking Gaffer anymore with me not being in it. <laughs> Do you want to lead off with some Super 6? Oh, go on. Do you have any idea how you've done this week out of interest, Daniel? Uh, I didn't. I haven't checked it this week. Did you do it? I did do it, yeah. 
Yes. You did do it. Okay. All right, then. Fine. So for the round, I did atrocious, I'm going to be honest. Uh, so we um, had... Yes, I did. I, I tell a lie. Sorry to come back in there. I did check it. I, we both did really bad. Didn't we both got like four points each or something? Yeah, I think we pretty much did, yeah, mate. Um, that's four that's points. I was doing okay for a bit. I was I had a couple of correct scores and it all went south. So, um, to be fair though, you can always tell from the actual round how people have been doing because uh, you see like twenty one some weeks and then I think last week was eleven top score. I think it was something like that. But um, so we've got three people tying first place for the round. So Ben Dawson, Kevin Williams, and uh, Nathan Powell. Um, as all have all got fourteen. We've then got a uh, friend of the pod, Liam Bullock. Uh, and Neil Finney, both on 11. And then I'm not going to read all these names out, but we've got a huge scattering of people in joint third on nine. Uh, for the actual season uh, so far, uh, we've got uh, Ben Dawson. He's having a bit of a run. So we've got Ben Dawson's got 39 points at the top. Paul Hurd second with 36. And then Kevin Williams is in third on 35 points. I've got 21 uh, Dan, let's have a look how many you've got. 21. Um, 21 as well, yeah. Um, so John Oldfield, again, another friend of the pod, he's got 24. So we're Liam Bullock's on 24. So yeah, we've got, um, this honestly, there's so many people on these early to mid 20s. So it's absolutely not over yet. Well, and with Gaffer, uh, we've got a new leader. So Anthony Hobbs has taken over with three, four, four points overall. Uh, at Stoke Gaffer dropped down to second place, three three nine. Um just doing the hoe for H O E for hoy. Just doing the hoy. Uh, and into third place, another person rises up the league is Aracian says uh, on three hundred and nine. Now I have dropped a couple of places down to twenty fourth. So yeah, two three eight. I am two two hundred thirty eight points, twenty fourth position. Um, still still not too bad, not too bad. Need to uh, yeah fifty one points I got this week, so I'm not not too fussed with that. I think I've got time yet to to make a, a charge for those top ten places. Daily doors. Will uh, Will Vidigal go into your team, Dan? When he's uh, when he's fit, Vidigal is already in my team. He's, he's already in, is he? my emergency captain. So thank you for reminding me, Mark. I need to take him out, Lunter, just in case. But my yeah. issue last week was that Che Adams was my captain, and uh, he obviously didn't play because he was sorting out to move elsewhere. Well, good luck, mate. You, you, you're not doing bad. We know this is a long season. Use them boots at the right time and stuff, and you'll be fine. Yes. Uh, right. Is there anything else anyone wants to mention before we do the quiz? Nope, not me. Uh, I'm going back, obviously, at home, and then we've got international break. One thing we probably want to mention before we go into the quiz, Dan, we are planning, aren't we, uh, during the international break to, to still bring a pod, but we're going to be doing a uh, Twitter Spaces uh, is, the, is the general plan, and that will be released as a normal podcast as well if you do miss it. But uh, So Twitter Spaces will be going on. And if I'm, 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 Well, we have actually thought and talked about this an awful lot, Dan, but the idea is just to have a, a review of how the, the first few games have gone this season. Is that pretty much the plan? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Answer. We'll get on to uh, onto Twitter, X Spaces, Twitter Spaces, whatever you want to call it these days. Uh, whatever crazy name uh, Elon's caught with next. And we'll get on there and basically, yeah, as Mike says, we'll just review 
review, not not sort of in any detail. It'll just give everyone the chance to to come on and you know, give their thoughts on how they think the season's gone. You know, any talk about signings, you can talk about performances, talk about you know people coming and going, people left, whatever you want. Um, but yeah, well, that's that's where we'll be sort of driving it and directing it is to do what's happened over the summer and the start of this season. I mean, uh, we might even, it's transfer deadline day Friday, anyone listening to this podcast on Friday, uh, if, if we're busy enough, we might even do one there, might we, <laughs> Mike? Yeah, well, it can close at 11 o'clock, it'll be a late one, people will be up uh, keeping an eye on things, Dan, so... We're not going to be logged on at six o'clock and taking it for five hours, by the way. So uh, I haven't got the energy for that. So yeah, we'll we'll maybe just do a a last I don't know last half an hour of the window or or something like that. Maybe uh, we'll we'll have we'll have a think about it. Just make sure you're on Twitter, Facebook, the website, um, and yeah, you'll you'll see the the posts go up. So uh, just keep your eyes open, basically. Well, right, that's time for the six towns challenge. Where's Master Theme Tune? Ah, right, cool. <laughs> or yeah. the weakest, the weakest link theme tune, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, for those who don't know, this is the Six Towns Challenge. I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to ask for the top six in that for answers for that question. So, are you aware of what's required of you, Brendan? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so you, you two, you and Michael work together, answering it in turn. You know, confirm. You just give your own answers, um, but I will give you, um, I'll give you one, one life each. If you get one, you get them wrong, the wrong answers, an answer that's not in the top six, then you will drop. You'll drop out, and it'll be left to the other person to try and complete it on their own. If they then get one wrong, then the game is over. Now, I don't know what the actual category is, by the way, Brem, but I messaged Dan earlier and said, if you tell, ask me in 1923, name me the top players who had 72 shots on target between the 20th and the 40th minute. That That's a very Dan thing to do. So um, let's see what he's got in, in, in store. But no doubt it's something completely random. You really got me really worried now with that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing like that. It's really it's a nice one this week. So... As you're probably all aware, I am a stats geek, a number geek, a spreadsheet geek. And I've com- this week completed my latest creation of spreadsheets, um, which has been very, very well received by Tom, our graphics guy. He was loving it when he was looking at it. <laughs> um, and it's basically, it's like how many performances, how many times they've been subbed on, subbed off, goals, home, away what the goals have meant, all sorts of stuff on it. It's all links in together. It's, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to bore you any more details. However, what I can do from this is I can pull win percentage ratios for the current squad members. So I want to know of all the players, there's 12 players in the Stoke squad who have played 20 or more games. Yeah, for Stoke. which. Of those 12, what are the top six win percentages for Stoke? Oh. Would you like me to give you the 12 players? 
Okay. Yeah. Can we kind of just make a note of the players then, so I don't miss any? If that's all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. So in in alphabetical order, you've got Baker, Barnum, Campbell. I was going to say DiMaggio. <laughs> Not quite, is it? It's Brian Phillips down the bottom. Uh, but yeah, you can have DiMaggio. I'll just say DiMaggio. Um, Tom Edwards. Dwight Gale. Keanu Hoover. Josh Loren. Ben Pearson. Jordan Thompson. <laughs> Josh Tymon. Ben Wilmot. Oh, okay. So I'm not going to put Wright Phillips in there because he's barely, well, I know he scored a winning goal and stuff. So it's my not, first. It's not roast wins, is it? It's no, the, the, no, it's win percentage. The games they've been included in, have we won? Yeah. I'm... Okay. Um, so I'm going to go Ben Wilmot as being the top. Chunk. Okay. Ben Wilmot, 86 appearances, 34 victories, 39.5%. That puts him fourth on the list. Excellent. Um, Bren? Tymon. Josh Tymon, 122 appearances, 49 victories, 40.1% is third on the list. Okay, so next I've got to go for Tyrese Campbell. Tyrese Campbell, 141 appearances, 48 wins, 34.0%. 10th on the list. Okay. I'm going to expected. So, you are out of the game, Michael. No. Bye-bye. <laughs> Brent, what was your guess? Baker. Baker. Oh, 69 games. 22 wins, 31.9%. He's 11th on the list. Ugh. Would you like me to give you one life more each? Yes, please. Go on. Go on. What's your next guess? Well, I'm I'm going to have to go really thingy. This could be wrong. I'm going to go right Phillips, only because I think he might have come. I know he won us the game against, was it Millsborough or something? Um think he might be a random fluky one so I'm going to go Phillips that game was a draw he came and got a point was it but okay 20 appearances seven wins 35.0% ninth on the list <laughs> so he's not in the top six Bren Damn you it. need to get first second fifth and sixth can you do it <laughs> good luck oh yeah I need it I'm going to say Thompson. Jordan Thompson. Now, when Jordan Thompson's name was read out, I heard a little snigger from you, Michael. Yeah. Were you disregarding Jordan Thompson? Yeah. Um, 
it's just yeah, I just don't rate him. I guess that's why. But yeah, well, I'm assuming based on that comment, he's in there, right? <laughs> 122 games, 52 wins, 42.6 percent, second place on the list. Bloody hell, ah, really? Ah, 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 ah. So when he plays, we win, apparently. Well, clearly we're already 3-0 up at that point because he, even he can't, he tries his best, but even he can't cock that up. So, um, yeah, all right. right. <laughs> sorry, Please. sorry, Jordan, I'm sure you're not listening, but I don't care. Who's the top Pe- dog, Bran? You need first, fifth and sixth. I'm going with Pearson. Um, Pearson, 20 appearances, nine wins, 45%. He is yes, top of the shop. Yeah, so I've got the first one then. Um, yep. So now it's, you've got fifth, sixth, but there's also seventh, eighth, and twelfth. I mean, Henry's got Hoover. What about Hoover? Hoover, 23 games, nine wins, 39.1%, fifth place. So now you've got one right answer left to get, and there's three wrong answers. Um, Is there anybody you discount? Because there's there's one here that's 12. I'm going to say Edwards. I was going to say, are you going with Edwards or are you discounting Edwards? I'm going to go with Edwards because Edwards used to do really well with us. Now you think that, wouldn't you? I thought, but do you know what? Tom Edwards played 52 times for Stoke and won only 12 games, 23.0%, nearly 10% less than the next worst. Wow. That's far and away the worst player. He won only just only bleh, one in five, only just over one in five games. You're going to say Gale, aren't you? I am going to say Gale, yeah. For, for, that <laughs> That's it. Match. And you, Thirty-seven point five percent. Loren, forty-two games, fifteen wins. That was thirty-five point seven. And Bonham, sixteen victories from forty-five games, which was thirty-five point five. Wow, a couple of surprising ones in there, actually. I did well, though. You did very well, Brent. Well done, mate. You did, but you have not conquered the six towns challenge. You fair for another week. I was one off. One off. It was a, it was a tough one there. Like I say, a couple of interesting ones there. Thompson was uh, very interesting to me. I didn't realise just how few games, like I say, Tom Edwards won. That surprised me because I thought Edwards did really well. And then you're looking at that start, you're thinking, wow, no wonder he's been dropped then. Yeah, because he never seemed to. It's funny, like saying to like, <laughs> what you think. Like I, 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 you sort of link Edwards with us. Edwards was playing well and us doing not not bad. And you, when Jordan Thompson plays, you feel that maybe you know we don't do too well, and we and it appears that it's completely the opposite way around. Trouble with, with Thompson though, he's not an attacking. He's supposed to be an attacking player, but he isn't. He's more a defensive, isn't he? That's what we find, that Thompson is more defensive, he'll pass back. So that's why I went with Thompson, because I thought we've probably got more chance of winning on the stats with Thompson, because he doesn't do silly mistakes. Yeah. So it's, it's one of them, isn't it? When, you, when the countless times last season we were 1-0 down at home, we probably didn't want somebody passing it sideways and backwards. We needed somebody who could unlock a defence, but 
we uh, we were struggling, but we will. It seems that we are struggling no more. So let's uh, let's uh, look forward to Saturday. Hopefully, a fifth consecutive home win, um, which will be a long time since we've had that. And uh, yeah, we can uh, all reconvene on spaces sometimes during the international break and then have a good chatter about how we're sitting pretty in the top six. Can I ask you one thing? Can you, can you what, what we're hearing in the stands, can you what, think that Thompson might be another player that could be on the way out, by the way? Because some of the fans are thinking that Thompson could go. I think he's got to be replaced, Bren. So if he's got to, if he's going to be replaced, I think he'll go. Yeah, that's what that's the room. Is the, the fans are saying that you know they, they think he's had his time, which is one of them players. It, it, the team we've got, we want to go forward, and he's probably the ones that one of the ones that would always go backwards. And a lot of fans get discontent with him. Um, one thing I appreciate, we've really made this a very long pod, but um, one thing I just wanted to finish off on, if you, if you don't mind uh, both. So anyone who's been on the socials uh, in the last week uh, may have seen or you may not have seen. Uh, me and Dan will be uh, interviewing John Rudge uh, in uh, a few weeks time. So if there is anyone who's got any questions for Rudgie, obviously we're going to be asking some of the obvious ones around, you know, the boss camp era and uh, what happened with the fallout and stuff like that. But um, if you want to go to ESATW, so that's obviously the initials for every step along the way. So ESATW.co.uk, you'll see a uh, a page on there. Um, any questions you've got, they need to go on that because it's going to make my life so much easier being able to read off. So uh, just make sure you add some on. We've had several, um, but I think for anyone who enjoyed and lived through, you know, the Thordeson and Boss Camp years and stuff like that, I think it'll be fascinating for some of the stories we're going to try and uh, get out of Rudgy anyway. So, um, yeah, just want to make sure. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's so mate, there's so many ways we can take that interview. Um, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna ask everything. So we're gonna go go to his home uh, in a few weeks and and get that done. So I'm looking forward to that. So just make sure if you've got anything, you get it on in the next week or two um, and then it'll get asked. So, yeah. That's everything for me this week, Daniel. Thank you very much. Well, actually, I think we've kept everyone long enough. Um, hope we've entertained you for the last couple of hours and yes, good luck, Stoke. Let's, let's go and take three more points on Saturday. Go on, Stoke. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.